Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Hello, everybody. This is Chris Hoyt. I am the president of Career Crossroads. You are listening to the CXR broadcast, uh, which uh, we're actually going to do a recap today. I'm pretty excited about this. We did our first DE&I meeting of the year for 2021. I can't believe 2021 is here already, quite frankly. Uh, I've got a couple of folks with me, but also my co-host, the lovely and talented Jerry Crispin. Jerry, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so, so we've just wrapped up our first meeting. We thought it might be fun to just talk a little bit about it uh, and a couple of big takeaways. And with us to do that, I have Chris Castillo-Bizard uh, of MMC. And I have Chris, hello. Hi there. <laughs> <laughs> we have Chad Goddard, longtime CXR member from Assurant. Chad, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Chris. So guys, this was really interesting. We had a guest speaker. Uh, from ThoughtWorks. She was lovely. She shared a little bit about the journey with some of the work that they are doing uh, and just to kind of set the stage uh, with things that they are doing with regards to sort of attacking from a DEI standpoint, attacking the funnel. So really taking a look at collecting uh, information with regards to gender and gender identity and looking at the attrition within the funnel, how to prevent that. I thought that was fascinating. But then we also broke and we did an exercise on solving for hiring more females in the workspace. So without sort of dissecting the entire meeting, Chris, I'll just, I'll ask you first, uh, did you have, was there a big takeaway or was there something from, from the conversations that we had today to our meeting that just sort of resonated or that, that you know you're gonna walk back to the office with, the virtual office with uh, and, and implement or begin to talk about with your peers? Yeah, no, absolutely. The first one was the comment from Raja around um, just, rethinking what gender looks like. And I loved how she made the distinction between the uh, gender identity versus the legal um, definition of gender for that individual. So that was an aha moment because at Marsha McLennan, we've been looking at, do we have an opportunity to relabel the way that we're asking people to self-identify their gender? And this is not one item that we've discussed. And the other takeaway for me was from the group discussions and it was about the what I heard from everyone on that call, just the importance of um, flexibility of companies really creating a culture where there is genuine, flexible programs in place, but that they apply not just to women who have children in the workplace, but also individuals who are caregivers and uh, just kind of redefining what it means to have um, flexibility and not just being applied to women. I just thought it was a really valuable concept to think about all of our colleagues and how they're being impacted by the state of work today. Yeah, I love that, Chris. And I think, so So my big piece there, my big takeaway when Raya was presenting was um, that there is a difference. I think we're creating two funnels of data, right? Two, two silos of data from a talent acquisition standpoint of what we're collecting. Uh, and now as more of us begin to collect uh, gender identity on that front end and what's actually being collected and recorded on sort of the hiring side or the, the company side. So the, the HR side, the talent acquisition side, and what's ultimately, at least in the U.S., being reported on EEO-1 reports. And we've got an exchange conversation taking place of, and, and it's really sort of interesting, the EEO-1 report has not changed in ages. And right now, if your company opts to report gender identity, they're told to put it in the comments box on the EEO-1 report, which I just find frustrating, but, but fascinating as well. Yeah. 
Chad, Chad, what about you? Big takeaways? I, I would just add on that piece, though, like, you, you know, also, you know, the complexity of balancing the legal perspective of this, right, with the, you know, good faith effort of TA organizations and HR organizations, right, that are trying to make improvements and how companies balance, you, you know, uh, that, that risk reward option. So it's going to be going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So yeah, I would, I would echo what Chris is saying. And I would also add, you know, uh, one of the things that was really interesting and in, in how Roger positioned it was like the complexity that's introduced also from a global perspective in different cultures, uh, you know, and how all that's looked at. And then one of the big takeaways for me was, uh, you know, not just looking at it from an applicant perspective, but making sure that you're looking at it throughout the pipeline, right? Look at it from applicants to who you're mm -hmm. interviewing, to who you're offering, and ultimately who you're hiring. Uh, you're, you know, any organization's challenges for, for, for any underrepresented group, you may have a, you know, a candidate uh, generation challenge. You might have a selection challenge. And in, unless you're looking at that data, uh, you know, it might not be an obvious one. So, uh, you know, kind of interesting to make sure you're, you're looking at it throughout the pipeline there. Yeah, it's a good call. Jerry, did you have any, did you have any thoughts or something you want to add to that? I mean, the conversation was great. Yeah, I, I, I did think that the conversation was really extraordinary because there were so many people on the call. We had something like 45, 47 people, I think, at, at, at the peak. And I, I would guess that it was probably two thirds, three quarters women. Uh, and many, many of the folks who were on the call were in um, high end leadership positions. We, we didn't have an awful lot of recruiters on this, on this particular piece. Um, and, and I found that fascinating because obviously there's, a, there's an expectation on the part of leaders to start figuring out how to solve these problems and and get recruiters to the point where they can execute against that and i it seemed to me a lot more of the companies were talking about the level of transparency that they can deliver to the recruiter and and talking about the quality of the data that ha it has to have chris mentioned the the insights you you derive from this so we're talking about upskilling recruiters in a number of different ways if we're going to move from a risk point of view to a reward point of view. I was blown away by Raya talking about candidate identity. I'm going, holy cow, that's like, it's like asking everybody what pronouns they want to use. And, and the inferences that come off of all of that, to me, are fascinating. And here is a woman from Hamburg talking about this, by yeah. the way, um, and knowing a good deal about what's going on in the United States, but also having in-depth knowledge about the differences that exist country to country. And I'm going, holy cow, there's no real resource out there that shows the difference in how we think our worldview of diversity from the window of each of these countries. And yet we talk about claiming our value system is from a diversity point of view. So uh, there were a lot of light bulbs for me in terms of just listening in. Uh, the, one, the one gap I think is that we had a lot of conversation about mentoring, which really focuses internal to an organization. 
but I'm convinced that corporations are going to increasingly, not just for women, but for everyone, have to invest more in coaches, professional mm -hmm. coaches, who can help people talk about or consider their job in relation to their career and their career in relation to their life. Because more and more, we're blending our work life with our home life, with our family life, with our friend life. And, and lots of people are confused in terms of how to, how to work that. And yeah. I do think that's going to be a key issue going forward in the next couple of years. I think well, the old concept of the mentorship piece is broken. I think we need accessible champions uh, for, for this piece. And I think that lends itself to what you said, Jerry, look, looking for coaches that are helping us sort of think about things differently. I, I, I was blown away with the concept of setting the system up for success with regards to each market that has a completely different uh, idea of what diversity is or delivery of what diversity is in their market. So it might be gender parity in one, uh, it might be ethnicity in another. And I think we, she raised a really good, and it, the conversation came up of there are, there are countries where race from an ethnicity thing, that's just, that's not a thing. Uh, from from an employment standpoint, right? Not a concern. They have much bigger pieces that sit sort of in, the, in these other buckets that are a challenge. The, the, the putting myself in someone's shoes, a recruiter who's world-class, the moment that a, a rec comes open and hits my desk, I want to push a button that tells me within that job family or that job, what what is the underrepresentation in that group? Because it could be any number of things. And that will inform, to some degree, some of the sourcing efforts that I'm going to have to ensure that we have a qualified pool that's representative of that underrepresented part of what's going on. And in one case, it might be women. In another case, it might be color. It may be whatever. But I want to make sure that I've, I can easily stack a, a, a slate with solid qualified candidates that that help us move the needle on that underrepresentation. Getting into, getting and, into and then I can hold somebody accountable. Well, you're getting into transparency and we've been preaching that for how many years? You uh, can't hold just, them accountable if you don't let them see it. I know, but you know, I'm hearing more willingness, if you will, to collect the data to be able to start doing stuff like that. And I uh, I think that's a that's a movement in itself. I think that's massive, but I think the only thing that I'll add to that piece of the conversation is as helpful as data has become and is, it's also created a new set of problems, right? Because again, like we talked about earlier, what is the data telling us? We have yet to really understand that. And we have pockets where the data quality is questionable. We still have individuals that are adverse from self-identifying because they do not trust that any self-ID information will be used in their best interest. Right. So how do we navigate that, right? And like we talked about it in our meeting discussions, when you add the global nuances and then the legal um, considerations, uh, they're looking, leaders are looking to us, business leaders are looking to us to solve for this, but we're still having a hard time just really sorting through the data and understanding what it means and how we can actually uh, derive solutions to solve. I think that's a great, that's a great insight because, you know, we're trying to create something, you know, and while we're doing it, and yet the public still has a, a set of concerns about the fairness of our process. 
And I think that's what you're addressing, Chris, yeah. is that is that if you ask somebody who is a potential candidate for, you know, for your company, they they have a, a jaundiced eye, if you will, as to whether or not any of the data that you give them would be used inappropriately. And so and so being able to pitch why we have created or why we're moving towards a fair approach and showing them how we're going to use the data in order to enhance what we do is going to be a, a, an interesting challenge that I don't think many companies really focus on right now. Yeah, so, so Chad, take us out uh, with your, your final thoughts on the first uh, DE&I meeting for CXR this year. Well, I mean, I thought the meeting was awesome and so many, so many participants and so many great ideas. And, and what, I, what I think is like, even as I zoom out a little bit more is really interesting is, you know, the window of opportunity right now with the way that we work, right? And what, uh, you, you know, what in office or work from home and flexibility, all these structures that have been flipped upside down by the pandemic but are so closely connected to being able to address a lot of the, you know, diversity and inclusion challenges that companies face. Uh, you know, I think the next year or three, as that gets redefined, uh, is going to be really interesting to see how it, you know, how it stays connected to the DEI piece. So exciting times. Good stuff. I love it. Love you both. So much fun to have you in the meeting. Thank you, everybody. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.